Welcome back to the Recourse Podcast. I'm your host, T.A. Today I'm joined by Bobby Gregory. She has an amazing project called Be Still. And our conversation today is all of the steps that she has taken to get to this point. Uh, the project Be Still focuses on journaling, quiet time, being reflective. There's also some coaching opportunities that she has. But our conversation, as I said, was focused on all the things that have led her to this moment. And I am just so excited for you to hear some of the ways that she has incorporated and the way that God's fingerprints have been on her as she has um, worked her way towards this time. So without further ado, let's jump in with Bobby. So we tend to start the podcast by asking um, you to introduce yourself and then give our listeners a little bit of an, an intro or like an overview of what we're going to be chatting about today. Okay. Well, my name is Bobby Gregory, and I live just outside of the Nashville area. I am a single mom to two girls who are 10 and 12. And uh, yes, they're just awesome little people. Hmm. Um, and we're talking today about be still with Bobby, which is a concept that I came up with over the past four or five years, I would say. And it's a, it's a practice and a process that I personally use and really wanted to share it with the world, which is how it came about. Yeah, I'm excited. And I have to admit, um, your website and even just seeing the bits and pieces of your home, you just have a natural eye for like just things looking calm and just peaceful. And I don't, I just, I'm always impressed because I feel like I'm pretty chaotic and I just always feel calm when I chat with you or look through Uh your stuff. Thank you so much for saying that. And by the way, you're not chaotic. You're behind you are like perfectly organized. Oh my gosh. No, I think you're saying that. That's oh yeah. It's all I do feel like that is purposeful. Yeah. I want my space to feel cozy and inviting. Yeah. And that's exactly what I told my web designer when she was working on my Mm -hmm. website. I said, I Mm -hmm. just want it. I want it to feel like people can come in and pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee and a cozy blanket for a chat. Yeah, I do. I do feel that you have have nailed that aesthetic and that feeling that people I for me, definitely. You you nailed it. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the beginning. So we'll get to that point. And I'm very excited to talk through um, that um, projects and different things that you're currently working on. But um, you are not up here in the very cold uh, northern Minnesota. You're somewhere way warmer. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I know. And you know what? I lived in Minnesota. Well, I was born there and then I lived there for a short stint in my twenties. So I feel your pain with all the cold. Yeah. But I'm watching from a distance, talking to relatives and things as the snow continues to fall. Just never ending snow. Um, tell us where have you lived before? You've got a couple places that you've kind of bounced around. I have. Yeah. I was born actually on the Canadian border in a little tiny town called Baudette. Oh yeah. That no one has ever heard of in Minnesota. And then when I was about nine, we moved to the Sacramento area of California. So that's Mm -hmm. really where I grew up. Um, And then as an adult, I took a chance and moved back to Minnesota when my um, parents moved back. Sure. So I was there for about five years, went back to California because that had always been home. And that is where I met and married my husband. And we had a couple of kids and then he took a job in Phoenix. So we lived there for a very short or very long, depending on how you look at it. (laughs) And then from there, just made a really intentional decision about where we wanted to raise our family and had looked at several different options, narrowed it down to three and Nashville was the winner. So we've been here for about, gosh, going on eight years in May. Yeah. I and hear Nashville's yeah, I hear Nashville's beautiful. It is. I it's kind of the best of both worlds. You get all four seasons, but they don't last too terribly long. Mm-hmm. And there is just something genuinely beautiful about Southern hospitality and the people yeah. here are just so lovely. So. Yeah. Well, to start us on your journey, I know that you had said at one point that your time in Minnesota was really impactful for your personal journey. Do you want to tell us a little about that? Sure. It was, I feel like I 
when I moved back to Minnesota, it was a very quick decision. I had, I wasn't planning on moving. And then I had had a dream that I was chasing my parents' moving truck down the street. And so I woke up the next day and called my mom and said, um, I think I'm going to move. And she said, okay. So I packed all my things and um, didn't know a soul really mm -hmm. other than my parents. And I think for me, that time period in Minnesota was just almost like an awakening. I was figuring out who I was when I first moved. I think I was 23 Mm -hmm. And I was just feeling a little bit lost and disjointed. I was in the workforce, but I just, I just couldn't get any sort of rhythm about who I was. And so I just kept like looking externally for that feeling that I really wanted on the inside. For sure. And I knew that at some point I wanted to get married and, you know, I just had all these like dreams, but I didn't know how to make them come to life. And so it feels a little like I did all the wrong things to try to make them come to life. You know how you do that? It's like the best intentions. You're like trying to get the good job and you're trying to date the good mm -hmm. person. And, and I just woke up one day and I thought, oh, this is just not working. It's just not. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty typical, stereotypical story for twenties of think of how much your life changes from 18 to 25, from leaving high school to college to job to maybe a spouse to maybe filing roots somewhere it there's just such inconsistency and uncertainty yeah. so i totally i remember that space of life that you're talking about yeah yeah where you're just you're unsure and you don't know you think you know mm. you want to know because you want to be grown up enough to you know chart your own path but if you haven't ever been really taught how to do it or had a role model in your life that that kind of did the things that you hope to do. Yeah. Um, it's hard to find your way. So, sure. yeah. So when I was about 28, I just was, I just was feeling that feeling of like, okay, now it's been five years and I don't feel like I've made any progress. And so I tried something different, which was going to therapy. And I was <laughs> like, maybe that'll work. And I just feel like God put the exact right counselor in my path. And I have learned so much from him over the years. He is still my personal counselor to this day. So mm -hmm. he and I are almost going on 20 years of, you know, working together. And it's just been, I feel like I was one person up until the age of 28. And I did so much work in that first year that I just morphed into somebody completely different. And she was the person that I'd been trying to find that whole time. Oh, I like the way you phrased that, that she's the, yeah. Did you have um, a hesitancy to do therapy? I know that there's, Absolutely. and especially in the Christian community, there's people who are very not that, nope, just go to God, you'll be fine. Yep. Yeah. And I had grown up in a church environment. I had had a little bit of a rocky time in high school. Mm. And so that was the only other time I'd ever been to a therapist when it was mm -hmm. like, a really dark part of my life. And he was not helpful whatsoever. I just kept thinking, why am I here? Why are you asking me all these questions? I don't want to answer. I don't have the answer. What, right. you know? And so I didn't have a high opinion of therapy, but I really just felt like in my desperation to do something totally different, I thought, well, I'll just give it a shot. And I literally almost turned my car around on the way to that first appointment because I thought, well, I mean, friends is on, so I could just go home and watch that. <laughs> so, but I remember sitting through that first session. Well, I remember when I first met my counselor, I was terrified. And he's this like gentle giant. He's so tall. And he came out to greet me. And we were walking down the hallway to his office. And on the door outside of his office, it said, beginning now, your life can be different. And I just felt this sense of peace wash over me. Like I'm in the right place. Yeah. And he just asked me questions that no one had ever asked before. Things like, well, what do you want your life to look like? I was like, I don't know. How am I supposed to know that? Yeah. But it was just such a, it was just such a calming exchange. And he prayed over me before I left. And I just got in my car and I thought, well, if it feels like that, I'm coming back. Yeah. That's great. Cause like, like I said, there are people who seem to have 
a disconnect or maybe it's a generational piece with therapy or with asking for help or needing help. We talk about mental health in such a different way now generationally that I think is so important. And so I think it's great when we can talk about that and talk about how it's, it's another space and another person to give you what you need so that you can be reflective, be purposeful, all of that. I think that's great. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, and they're there to ask you questions that you wouldn't think on your Mm -hmm. own and to just reflect back to you what they're hearing in your statements and sometimes in your body language and they can see the worry on your face when you might not even know you're worried. I mean, it's just such a, I, I recommend therapy to everyone. I I just think because it can be life-changing and on that note though, you have to find the person that's right for you. Yeah, that's huge. I think that's a big piece of the puzzle is not just going to anyone. You know, I've had other therapists over the years where I've had a session or two and just didn't go back. We just didn't click for whatever reason. So, yeah, I think that's fair. And that's also important. I also appreciate that you talk about it in a way that's not, and it's six sessions only, or until I solve this one problem and then I'm fixed. It's a definitely kind of that feeling of it's an ever evolving process. And there may be seasons when you're not as in in depth or meeting as consistently. And then there's other seasons where you do need that. Yeah, it's so true. It's it's like going to the gym or car maintenance, right? Like they're oh, like, I like that. If you get a brand new car, you're not gonna need to go to the gym as much. Or I mean mm-hmm. go to the gym, go to the mechanic <laughs> as much. And, and similarly, if you have worked out for, you know, five years straight, you can take a few more days off in between, but it's that consistent, like to have the results that you want to have that consistent person to talk to, to go back again and again, there, it isn't like a finished kind of a thing. And you're right. You might take a break in the middle until you reach the next season where you feel stuck or lost. And it's just such a nice thing to have, to go back to. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you talking about it in such a way that helps continue to break down that stigma for people who feel, because I think there was even people who were, again, maybe willing to take that step into therapy, also feeling disheartened when it's like, it's a never ending process. There's certain things that we do in life that it feels like, but I should just solve that problem. And it's like, but maybe that's not the way that, that God has evolved that for you. That's so true. And, you know, I think to when we look at our lives and we see the problems or we see if we are personally having a problem, we think we are the problem Mm. and getting stuck in that mindset can often that that is not helpful, right? Because it's like, oh, wait, I'm perfectly fine. It's this circumstance that I'm working through right? Or this mental challenge because I need to change my thought process or my mindset or whatever. For sure. Um, And so I feel like that's one of the things that I can't stress enough is like, you're, there's nothing wrong with you. There was nothing wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I was perfectly fine just the way I was, but in order to grow, in order to get through, in order to tackle or get over or whatever the case is, it's like, yeah, you need that outside perspective. And in my case, I mean, just someone who was older and wiser and had more life experience was such a key piece for me. Yeah. And I really appreciate that you found somebody um, for you that connected in um, a spiritual way too, of like having somebody that was um, aligned spiritually with what your belief systems were. I think that's an important piece too, for people who um, are questioning or worried that there are people out there that have the same belief systems who have the same belief in God in the way that we do or um, that you do so that you can feel comfortable that you're not, I, I think the vulnerability that's needed in therapy, you have to have, you know, that your entire worldview needs to be thought through. So. Yeah, for sure. Like and that. you know, what's interesting is I feel like anytime I've had a situation like this in my life and especially at that time period, I feel like God knew what I needed before I did. For sure. And when I went searching for my counselor, I had reached out to three and he was the first person to call me back. It was almost like God was like, here you go. I've hand selected him. Mm -hmm. Like, just go and trust me. And I feel like that's all we have to do for most things in our life, right? Is just invite God's guidance and Mm. instruction and and he will provide the perfect path, the perfect person every time. Yeah. So 
incredible to me even still. Yeah. I like that. I just wish sometimes God would maybe be like bright lights, big sign, like be, you know, yeah. like give me the little bit bigger, you know, like sometimes I, I know, like, right? Like, yeah, can I you know, give me I, the guy on the sign on the corner with the signs? Yeah, yeah, I don't want to be anywhere close to thinking this couldn't be right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's always That's my right. prayer, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna move that story forward, though. Of that really helped kind of solidify some pieces for you. What were the next steps in life? Yeah, so I I did. I feel like I gained self-confidence just because I was getting to know myself yeah. in a totally different way. I think what shifted for me is realizing the desires that I had on my heart for what I wanted out of my life weren't wrong mm. or bad or misguided. They were exactly right for me. And once I stepped into believing that, I started to make better strides as far as what kind of change, what kind of growth did I want to see in my life? And I remember about six months into therapy, I had gone to California for my 10 year high school reunion. And I got off the plane in San Francisco and I called my mom and I was like, I live in the wrong state. I, I need to move back. And she was like, oh no, <laughs> don't, don't move away. And I was like, I don't know. I've got to figure it out. I'm just going to see how the week goes. And I spent the whole week with my brother and sister-in-law and his family. They still lived there. And I saw old friends and just being in all of those familiar places because I had left. So in such a hurry, I went mm. back and the new version of me, the healthier version of me was like, oh yes, this is where I want to be. And so I remember going back, I had this whole plan that I came up with on the plane. I'd written down like, okay, I have to save money for this long and I have to finish out my lease at my apartment and all these different things. And I walked into therapy and I was like, I'm moving to California and here's my plan. And my counselor was like, well, why don't you go like now? And I just thought, oh, oh no, I can't do that. I have to be responsible. And here's all the reasons why. And he said, well, I mean, but if you ask for God's help, like I'm pretty sure if that's where you're supposed to be, he'll make it happen. And I right. was like, no, I don't think that's how God works. Right. I just was so full of doubt. And he said, okay, well, I mean, you can do it your way or you could do it this way, God's way, and just see if he opens the door for you. So when you leave here, call and tell someone that you're moving. So I called my brother on the phone that afternoon and I was like, I'm moving to California. And he's like, when? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> it was incredible because in that short period of time, watching God open doors that I thought were, you know, nailed, glued, shut. It just, it, it, he just made it so easy to follow yeah. that. And so rather than my one to two year plan from that trip, I was already living in California four months later. That's crazy. And, I want to go back yeah. to some, you had kind of mentioned that this mind shift happened of things that you had already kind of had solidified in your head about things had to look a certain way or feel a certain way. Do you feel like that there was outside pressure putting that on you or was that self pressure in the sense of like, Gosh. I've determined these things already or? Sure. Great question. I feel like a lot of it, it's a combo platter, right? Oh, sure. It's what yeah. you see. It's what you see modeled, at least it, it's what I saw modeled. It's what I saw in society. It's what I thought I wanted. You know, the people that I thought I should emulate. Yeah. I had it all together. They had like, you know, it just, there was an image associated with it. And here I was walking the planet thinking that I was just like this eternal mess right? <laughs> of a person <laughs> and realizing, oh no, everybody actually feels that way. Nobody knows what they're doing. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was a combination. It, sure. it is interesting to think about the pieces that we pull into what we assume life will be, what we think we should live up to, or the person that we feel like this is who I have to be kind of pieces. And then also the societal pressures, or like you said, the things that we're taught sometimes um, we talk about my husband and I do premarital counseling with couples, mm -hmm. the things that like, uh, my mom did this, therefore I have to do this. And it's like, but you don't, that's not. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. How we going back to that 18 to 25 year old period. It's like, I think that's what that is. That first five to seven years as you're trying to sift through what you were modeled, what you learned growing mm -hmm. up, what you were told 
not just by your parents, by your mm-hmm. leaders, by your teachers, by your coaches, you know, everyone shaped who you were and what you thought about yourself and the world around you. And then you get out into the world and you're like, wait, I can do it any way I want to. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, it's freeing. And on the other hand, it's terrifying because if you didn't have a better example, you know, you're literally just shooting in the dark for right. how do how do I want to do it? Right. And if you don't have great influencers, that person is also somebody that really I wouldn't want, like I think about my 13-year-old daughter, I wouldn't want her to be shooting to be that person in that way. Do you know what I mean? And so it's like yes. figuring out also redefining or sculpting down those edges of, oh yeah, I thought that's what I wanted, but that's not it anymore. And that's mm-hmm. a hard, a hard place of life to navigate. And I do know being in my forties, because <laughs> I'm old, <laughs> I still feel like at times when I'm struggling with those pieces, frustrated that that should have been a 20 year old problem. Like that should be for my twenties. And now in my forties, I should have that figured out. And I oftentimes I have to remind myself again, but I'm an ever evolving person and God is continuing to refine me. And it's okay. It's okay that I don't always feel like I have it figured out or that I've, you know, arrived at that perfect place. Yeah, it's so true. And we go through so many different seasons. I feel like at least in my life, every five years has been almost like its own transformation right? Because I get older that I'm in my forties too. And it just feels like, wow, when I turned 40, this whole new version of me emerged where I thought, oh, I, I don't care as much what people think. Mm -hmm. Now I really want to live like a really rich life experience versus the striving to have, to be, to do of my thirties. Right. And I'm sure when I turn 50, it will shift again. Right. So yeah, I think what's important is just giving yourself this space and the mindset of knowing that you're always going to be in some kind of transformation or transition yeah. and that's perfectly normal. Yeah. And I like being, hearing that again, not only for myself, but hopefully for others listening to like, that's okay. It's an okay place to be. I think that's good to remind ourselves of that. Yeah. It's like therapy. So, there isn't an arrival. There just yeah. Yeah. You're always going to be moving and changing and there will be circumstances that you can't script ahead of time that you're going to have to move and change right along with. Yeah. So you moved back to California. I did. Yeah. And and I, um, that is where I met and married my husband and we had a couple of little girls and yeah. And, and it was, it was great. I mean, it was purposeful. I, in the beginning I had a great job and then I met and married my husband and I kind of did some other side things just for fun. Mm -hmm. After we got married and knew we wanted to start a family, I did some real estate. I did some acting. I did some interior design. I was just kind of exploring all of those things I never did in my twenties. That interesting. Mm -hmm. And then we had our babies and I actually went uh, to school to be a life coach when I was pregnant with my first daughter. I knew I wanted to do something and I wasn't quite sure what, but I'd always been interested in the field after going through and having my counselor sort of in my back pocket. And I was interested in the field of personal growth. Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to go mm-hmm. through all the schooling it would take to be a psychologist. Um, and so life coaching was just kind of on the upswing. And I thought, oh, that sounds really interesting. And so I did that for a couple of years. But after my second daughter was born, I just thought, oh my gosh, I had two girls under the age of two. And my life was totally different, you know, for sure. Yeah. Diapers and yoga pants and wondering if I'd ever get a shower and, you know, (laughs) so so I just thought, okay, I'm just going to be in the thick of it. And then when we added in our couple of moves, it just was like, okay, well, this is a no brainer. I can't be doing other things. I'll just, yeah. So if we fast forward to you now being in Nashville, Tell mm-hmm. me about some of the projects you're currently working on, because all of that, the foundation that you just laid has led you to this amazing spot that you're at now. Yeah, it has. It's so interesting. If it's encouraging at all for someone who feels like they don't know what their thing is, mm. keep going. That would yeah. be one thing I would say, because for me, in trying on all of those different <clears throat> hats, 
I feel like, you know, I just was looking and dabbling at things that I was interested in, right? Mm-hmm. The creative side of me wanted to know, could I be an actress? The creative side wanted to know, could I be an interior designer? And I tried all of those things. And what I felt in the moment as I was dabbling was failure, right? I felt like, oh, I tried this and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And, oh, I tried that and it, it didn't turn out the way I thought. I didn't have the success that I wanted to have. And then a few years ago, I got involved with a master, an online mastermind where they were teaching you how to tap into whatever your own superpower is. And in that, it just was like this light bulb moment where I thought, well, the thing that I do and use every day, that is my superpower. That is what has given us this beautiful life, this, the moves that we've taken, the risks that we'd taken you know, going out on a limb where God is like, do you trust me? Then, then follow me. And I just thought, is that, can that be a thing? Like, can I bottle that up and, and say, I'll teach this to you. And just realizing, I thought, okay, I guess my superpower is being still and talking to God and writing in my journal. And that is what this project is, is Mm -hmm. just teaching women the value in that, taking time for yourself, recording your thoughts so that you have an external way to process, to move through different seasons in your life and bringing God along for all of it in the conversation. Yeah. And as soon as I hit on that as an idea, like it just filled my whole body with peace because I thought, yes, this is, I could talk about this till, you know, it's one in the morning. It's just, it just lights my whole heart on fire. I love, as you're speaking about it, it, everything we had kind of, like said, that foundation, these pings of interior design, of acting, of counseling, of uh, coaching, of therapy, all of that is so beautifully inlaid in what you're doing that I love that God will uniquely prepare us in ways we don't, I don't know why I'm doing this at this season in life. And then, you know, three seasons later, it's like, oh, that was why that, or at least I can now lean in on that because that experience. And I just, those things that are just like magic to me. I love when God does that. Yes, me too. In fact, I just got chilled as you were talking because I thought, yeah, that is, that's the beauty of walking through this life with God as the guiding light, Mm -hmm. right? Is, is, there are so many things I could look at, even in my present day, when I go, what, what is the point of that? Right. And I know three years from now, five years from now, I'm going to turn around and be like, oh, that's why that happened. Right. And I love, and that's why I so strongly encourage journaling because I have years and years worth of journals and the story that's unfolding in real time within the pages of those journals is just so beautiful to go back and read. Mm-hmm. And especially like this last year, I walked through a divorce and it was probably the hardest, darkest season, but I had my prayer time and I had my journal and the way I can look back on the last couple of years and see how God carried me through even that and yeah. the gifts that he gave along the way to help me keep going, to keep being faithful it was, it's just incredible. And the story would be the same if I hadn't written it down, but it's that much more impactful because I had, because there's so much that happens in our life when things are moving so fast and we're so busy and we're just moving from thing to thing that even if I'm taking time to be quiet, if I'm not documenting what it is that I'm thinking or learning within that space in that day, I will have missed some of the most beautiful moments because I don't have them to reflect back on. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Yep. And I think we are such creatures of emotions that we also can be so swayed by what we felt versus what was truth and what our thoughts were. And so having that documentation also to not taint that again, I felt very angry at that moment, but my thought process was clear and had, value and I learned but when I look back all I can think is the anger because that emotion can override things so I love having that ability to 
have clarity about a situation. Our, our memories lie to us, our you know emotions lie to yeah. us, all those things. And so this is putting a firm stamp on that moment. And I, I love that practice. Oh, I do too. I couldn't agree more. Did you find it was hard to refine that practice for yourself? I know there's people that are listening and I know for myself, I'm a great talker, not a great writer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So how do you, how did you find that process or how do you help people to get better at that point? Yeah, I think first and foremost, the key thing I would tell people is, um, it doesn't actually matter if you're a writer or not, Mm -hmm. if you can talk to a friend, that is the only requirement right? It's like, if you could sit down and have coffee with your very best friend, you would not be at a loss for words. And so that's how I approach my journal. I literally write as if I'm having a conversation with God who's sitting next to me reading as I write. Mm -hmm. And that helps. And I've, I have sort of dialed in for me, the conversation is just ever ongoing. So I'll sit down and whatever happened yesterday, I just kind of pick up where I left off and I fill in some of the details on what maybe happened yesterday or this morning or what I was feeling when I went to bed last night. I think when you're first getting started, though, it's nice just to have some basics like, okay, blank page, now what? And so just to to start, I always put the date on the top of the page um, and I always invite God in right at the very beginning. Every one of my journal pages begins with the same line, good morning, God. And it's just a way to invite him into the conversation naturally that doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't feel sticky or hard. It just feels natural, right? Yeah. Authentic. mm -hmm, Authentic for sure. And I kind of check in with myself, like, where am I? Am I tired? Did I sleep well? Like, is it freezing in here? You know, just kind of just to like get my pen flowing and then. What's cool is over time, I've just noticed that even when I don't feel like I have anything to say, when I've given myself that time just to check in and start writing, things just naturally bubble up to the surface. Sure. And there are days when I feel like I have nothing to say and I wind up sitting there for an hour writing about all kinds of things that I didn't know were on my heart. Mm -hmm. So, and I think it's great to ask yourself just those basic questions. Where am I? What am I struggling with? What has my attention this week? What am I worried about? And, you know, being able to not only get them out of your head and onto the paper, that in itself is almost like a cleansing ritual where you're not carrying around those jumbled thoughts with you all day. You've kind of tucked them away in your drawer for the day and given them to God to carry for you. Mm. And it just, it just, Mm creates a lighter feeling as you go about your day. Yeah. You have more room to take more in. Yeah. I, I love that because I do know as an out loud processor, that's how my thoughts feel is very bouncy. I also have found anytime I've done journaling and practicing is that my thoughts are also very racy. Like I speak very fast. I think very fast and the my pen just cannot keep up. And so it's like my brain has to slow down so that my, that I can write as I'm thinking and it helps my thoughts to slow down in that sense of like, I feel more calm and not just, but blah, 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 blah. And oh, da, da, da. you know, it's like the, okay, hang on, just, we're going to write all this down and we'll think through it and process it in a way that's different than when I am just verbally assaulting somebody with all of my thoughts. (laughs) Well, I love that you said that and you made that clear distinction because in the beginning, when I first started the journaling part, I thought, well, I'm I'm not going to bother with writing it down longhand. I'm going to just type it into a, you know, Google doc or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I type so fast that my thoughts and my typing can match speed. And then I would like get done and be like, I don't even know what I just said, but I'd walk away. And I also was, it was very rare that I ever went back to it, but I love that distinction that you made about writing longhand actually slows the process in a beneficial way. So your brain has to slow down to let your hand keep up. Mm -hmm. That's It's so spot on to what it does. Well, I agree with you because I've tried that with, instead of typing, I will use the audio uh, type where you just speak out and it types everything yeah. for you. And same thing where, yeah, I can just then process, 
but because I'm not getting the feedback that I normally need from a verbal friend or like when I'm processing with my husband or a friend, um, I was not getting any benefit from it. I felt like I was just still pro like just verbally vomiting everything and then nothing changed or I didn't, like you said, it's almost like I wasn't actually processing it then at that point, it was just going through it. So I think having to slow down makes that such a different process. And I think also it allows the Holy Spirit to kind of ping in a way that I wasn't allowing in other at other times. So true. Yes. I feel like when I write, I can actually feel or hear when I feel like God's interrupting and it just, it, it makes me more receptive to what it is he's trying to tell me if I'm writing and it feels like he just kind of comes in and says, oh, no, no, no. Like, this is what I think about that. Or do you honestly believe that that's true? I feel like I can hear his voice more readily if I'm writing longhand mm. because I'm taking the time to slow down and listen. Yeah. And that distinction of voices in your head, because I think we can misconstrue what we feel is God's voice or the Holy Spirit's leading through our own lens and our own voice. And so again, that slowing down allows us to re kind of ping of like, that's not truth. That's not from God. And that's not what God's telling me. That is my insecurity. Or, um, I have a good friend who, um, helped me think about it in a way that they're like that negative voice in your head, give it a mm -hmm. name so that there's a, a distinct person or distinct object that you can be like, no, you don't get to tell me that today, you know, and give it a name and things like that. So I, I thought that was a really good way of siloing that voice so that I can silence it easier. If that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. In fact, they teach us all about that in coaching school is talking okay. about your inner gremlin and, and naming it because I think that's people are afraid of, of they would rather just ignore it. But actually when you do do the activity of giving it a name and saying, I see you, I hear you, but you're going to take a backseat today just mm -hmm. gives you, you're still in control yeah. rather than fighting against, you know, something that doesn't have a form or a name or, a, you know, anything that you can actually talk to it or tell it to sit down. For so. sure. So the whole project with journaling and things, you kind of titled it Be Still, which I'm assuming yeah. I was very purposeful. Tell me about that. It was very purposeful. It's whether I have 10 minutes or an hour, the stillness is the key piece. I can be driving in my car and have a conversation with a girlfriend or be leaving a message on somebody's Voxer app. And it is not the same as allowing myself 10 minutes in my own space with no noise and no distractions of just being. Mm. And when I first started this really intentional practice, because, you know, I had learned a whole number of things when I was in my late twenties. And then when you have kids, like all bets are off, it's just mass chaos and you're trying to survive the day. And I remember when the girls were about three and five, I just thought, okay, I've got, I, I don't even know what I think. I don't know who I am. I don't, I don't like, I can't make progress at all. And so I just thought it's going to totally stink, but I'm going to get up before the rest of the house is awake and just give myself 10 to 15 minutes to, to just drink my coffee without anybody saying my name. And that's how it started. Yeah. Is, you know, when I look at the stillness, when I look at the three pieces, prayer journaling stillness, it all comes back to the stillness. The stillness is where you hear God's voice. The stillness is where you find your words. But those two things are form, far more impactful if you give yourself a chance to sit still. Yeah. And I like the key word that I keep kind of pinging back to is in the intentionality of it. Mm -hmm. It's not the accidental moments when I'm, oh, I have five minutes before we have to jump in the car. for the, It's the intentionality of and I know not everybody's a morning person. I can attest that I'm not a morning person. And I'm I, find, but I, but you find that scheduled intentional space makes a huge difference. I do a similar process in the sense that my husband is always the first one up to walk the dog in the morning. And I know the kids, we turn music on at 8 a.m. at our house to get the house like lively. 
So I have that like 20 minute period by the time Matthew's up to walk the dog and before I wake the kids up. And I oftentimes just find myself not getting out of bed and just praying and just thinking through, this is what's happening today. This is what God, what are we having? Who, and if, um, especially if things come in a dream of like, this person was coming up in my dream and I haven't thought about this person in, in 20 years. I'm like, you must need me to pray for them. So I'll pray for that person or, you know, like that kind of your processing. I probably could do it more formalistically in ways, but I'm also, like I said, not a morning person. So that I have found that's the best way for me at the moment, but yeah. I'm not opposed to trying other things. It's just interesting that that's my intentional space. If that makes sense. Like I know I have that space every day that I have dedicated to do that before I get up, pray for my husband for his work day, pray for my kids for their school day, things like that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And the fact that you do do that intentionally, right. Yeah. You could, you could roll over and grab your phone and start scrolling for sure. Yeah. Instead, you're just letting the thoughts bubble up naturally and using it as a prayer time. I love that. I love that. Really. That is how it starts. Mm-hmm. And you can try other things and other time periods and other methods and add a journal and whatever, but it, it ultimately comes down to what works for you. Yeah until it doesn't. And then also what you're getting out of it. So I'm curious, as you were talking, I was like, Ooh, I wonder what that does for your mindset and for just your soul and like inner peace. When you get out of bed after those 20 minutes, do you feel different? I do a hundred percent. Cause there's moments when if like my husband was maybe on a business trip and I'm by myself, it shifts my whole morning perspective. Like I'm the one who has to get up with the dog and I'm waiting till the last second and then I get going and then you're, oh, I forgot about, or I'm fretting about versus I've kind of put all of the pieces of the day in alignment and prayed over them and thought through, here's the, what's I'm going to accomplish today. Here's how I'm, you know, God's going to be over all of these pieces for us. And I just feel more whatever when I think about journaling, that's a reflective end of the day piece, like what I'm doing at the end of my day of how did it go? Where did I totally mess up? Cause that's happened, you know, like, or, you know, where do those pieces of whether I'm sorry, I tried that didn't work out or whatever, (laughs) or that emotional, like I'm reflecting on those emotional pieces. I have a tendency that is not been intentional at this point in my life. I've not been very good about keeping that as a sacred space because being an out loud processor, it's the, I lay with my husband and we talk through the day. And I find that has met my needs, but I have to be careful to not overstep that he needs to fill that space for me. I need to do that with the Lord first and not just with him. So I can over, we talk about that with, um, again, going back to premaritals, I can put him in that space because he meets that need. He's physically right there and can meet that need for me, but it's not appropriate to always put that on him in that way. So I'm learning to balance that better. And I should, I really should integrate another intentional practice for that, that space. Yes. And I love that you have that. Yeah. I love that you have that with him and, and maybe even invite him into journaling. I mean, I it's, it's interesting if you were to do that, I wonder what would happen if you were to do that, have your conversation at the end of the day. And even if it's just 10 minutes yeah, yeah, and see what comes out. Yeah. I just think it's, I have to be, like I said, I have to be careful of not asking him to step in a space that God wants to be in more importantly. And then also too, that if there's ever a season where he's not there, I would not want to start floundering because you know what I mean? Like that I need to be, it's like that independent thing of, I need my relationship with Christ to be first and foremost. So that's where I, I always worry that I'll overstep that or that I'll, um, yeah. I think the fact that you're consciously aware of being worried about it is just the key to making sure it doesn't happen. Right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's great. Um, what other um, projects do you have on the horizon? Where, what do you imagine be still is going to grow into? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. I feel like this last year has really been about putting the key pieces into place, trying to develop the platform itself so that I have a foundation and a home base to build on top of. And so this last year was about, you know, building the website and getting social media up and running. And I've, 
I've been working on an audio course that I'm really excited about that is all about exactly what I teach, the framework of stillness and prayer and journaling and how to use that to better the life that you're living, to make it yeah. richer, fuller, and more on purpose with God as your sort of co-creator, right? It's like God put desires on your heart. Tell him what they are and see what he echoes back to you and then walk through, you know, and see how things unfold in your life in a very intentional way. And I debated about doing a typical online course, but for me, being busy, you know, feeling like I'm running often, I like to listen to things when I'm folding laundry, doing dishes, you know, after I've tucked the kids in as I'm like, you know, putting the house things away, just so, so an audio course made sense to me because it's easy to consume and it's something that isn't going to take you a ton of time to listen to. Whatever you do with it is up to you. It's something you can come back to you if you for if you forgot one of the steps or, you know, just need a yeah. refresher. And so the goal is to have it be something that you can do in four weeks, but it's, it's one part course to teach you the steps, but it's also one part interactive, like grab a journal and sit here and write, you know, these couple of reflection questions today to really walk you through the process. Um, so that's on the horizon. And um, in addition to that, I'm actually going to be doing some group coaching around this course once it's launched. So I want to take a couple of small groups of women through this, this material in a really high touch, intimate sort of space mm. where we're coming mm -hmm. together, you're learning something, but you're also executing on it in the group space. So it's one part learning and then one part co-working almost where you're getting to mute yourself and write your journal entry and then coming back to the conversation saying, this is what came up with for me. What do I do with it? And yeah. having really um, positive and encouraging conversations you know, and realizing, I think one of the reasons why I'm so excited about doing it in a small group is because there's something about when we, when God brings groups of women together, it's often very purposeful, number one. And then number two, we connect on the basis of our struggles. So if I'm struggling with something and you're struggling with something, it may not be the exact same circumstance, but the basis of that struggle, whatever we might be feeling or walking through or going through at that time can feel the exact same way. And then you realize, oh, wait, I'm not alone. Yeah. I have these other women who are being honest with themselves, who are telling themselves, this is what I want. And they're working toward it, or they're struggling through a really hard time. And so you just feel like you're not alone. Sure. Yeah. I think the intimacy of that and the smallness, the smallness of the group is where that, like you said, that magic happens. Our pastor always says, um, we need to live our lives in circles and not rows. Think of like row, pew, rows. Yes. He always talks about That's like so living good. life in these small circles. I know it's so, it's so, and it's true. It just, it's hard sometimes to be vulnerable in that space. And so the fact that you're allowing for that to happen. And then also I do love when you started talking about the audio course, like I feel like I perked up. I'm like, oh, that's a perfect <laughs> avenue for that. And like you said, I'm the same way. I'm always podcasting or audio booking or whatever, yeah. as I'm roaming through the house and getting stuff done. It's such a great medium for self-processing, learning, even entertainment at this point. Like I find I'm yeah. doing more audiobooks and watching TV. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Agreed. I'm the same. I feel like my TV is rarely ever on unless, I mean, it's got to really move the needle for me to want to sit down and watch because it's time you don't get back. But yeah, just being able to listen is really nice. And I, and it's something that I feel like you can take in small chunks, which sure. is yeah. important to me because what I don't want is for women to feel like this is just one more set of expectations that they're supposed to accomplish. Yeah. And that's a really fine line, right? When I talk about stillness and journaling and prayer, it doesn't have to consume your life and you don't have to do it perfectly and you don't even have to do it every day. But if you're willing to show up at least a couple of times a week or three times a week, you'll get so much impact out of just that, mm -hmm. um, that you'll want to keep coming back. I know that because that was my story. I, I started like once or twice a week and then it was like, oh, I feel relief or I feel better or I feel like I'm getting answers or I feel like I'm making progress. And soon it was up to five days a week. And now, I mean, it's pretty much almost seven days a week on a consistent basis. 
because it adds so much to my life and contributes to the way that I feel every day about myself, about my life, about my kids, about the direction that we're heading. It's all very intentional and purposeful. And I couldn't do any of it if I didn't take the time to sit with God. Yeah. And I, I like that it layers in, we talk about a lot that people feel in the Christian community that if you don't do things a certain way, or they can get very legalistic, if like you don't read the Bible in the morning versus it. So it feels like a very adaptable process that people can, like you said, do what makes sense for your time frame, for your schedule, and even how often. And as God continues to kind of grow in that space for you, you'll, you'll find the right way for it to fit for you. Yeah, that's so true. And even, you know, sometimes if I've just had a really busy week or back-to-back days, I feel like, um, I, even if I'm just driving in my car, I'll figure out a way to take the long way so I can turn off the, you know, all the sounds and just drive and talk to God and listen to what he has to say back to me. It's just, it just gives you, you know, different ways to incorporate him into your life. I like that. And the more I feel always, the more you do it, the more you long for it, or like you, it's like you, you feel more blessed by it, but also it's like that skill gets better. So you're, it's quicker and easier to kind of zone in on God's voice and presence and time. And, you know, where some of us, it you're so busy and your brain's so fa- going so fast. It takes a while to kind of get out of your head, if that makes sense, or like into yes. that, that quieted space. And so the more that practice happens, I feel like you can zone in on it faster. Yeah. It's so true. So yeah. true. Where can everybody who's listening, find you website, social media, where are you at? Yes. So my website is uh, be still with Bobby.com. That's Bobby with an I and same with uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, I believe Pinterest and Facebook. It's all the same. Be still with Bobby. I love it. Um, any last parting thoughts, words, wisdom you want to share? Oh goodness. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on. It's oh, been such you. a pleasure to get to know you Same. as your podcast, and I just love uh, the positivity and spirit-led vibes that you're putting out into the world. Thank you. That's very kind. Yeah. So I'm just so grateful to be here. And um, honestly, I think whether you do you know, something with me or my program, honestly, just take the time to sit still and you'll be amazed at what naturally happens when God is in the mix. He knows exactly what you need before you even know you need it. And, you know, being willing to just sit still and listen. Awesome. Well, I love that. I'll put all of the links to your website, social media, all of that in the show notes. But I, again, same, feel so blessed to have you and appreciate the time you took to Have this great conversation. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. I just have to say thanks again to Bobby for coming and sharing. I hope as a listener that you are finding those moments of intentionality, of quiet. And if you're struggling with that practice, please check out Bobby's information. It's all in the show notes, her website. You can find her everywhere on social media. And you can find some of the amazing resources that she's compiled and has to help you in that area. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to you joining us again for another conversation here on the recourse podcast. Have a great day, everybody.